Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And Reginald Atatua. right. Rigo Mendoza is holding things down for you, the Turn It On, Leave It On listener. We appreciate you so very much for joining us here on this beautiful evening in the Mighty Metroplex, a full show tonight with you until 11 p.m. You can get involved with the show on the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. We are also live on Twitch and YouTube, twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam, or just search 105.3 The Fan on YouTube and hang out with us there. We have a lot to get to tonight, and I actually mean it because we got some breaking news. Oh, you be lying sometimes? Yeah. Is that what you did? You just inadvertently admit that sometimes when you say we have a lot to get to, you be lying. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just not pertinent. It's just chaos. <laughs> you know, I feel like this is actually important stuff it's that like we need to get to. You'll get four hours every time. Just sometimes it's more important than others. Yes. Okay. Very Abs- good. Absolutely. Other times it's nonsense. I got you. Yes. Sometimes I'm just here to have fun, and sometimes I am here to do a diligent job at this uh, reporting thing. And that's what we're going to try to do our best with uh, here in this segment. But coming up on the other side, we do have Bob Condotto, longtime uh, Seattle Seahawks beat writer for the Seattle Times, joining us on the other side to get us ready for the Thursday night football matchup between the Cowboys and the Seahawks that you can hear right here on your home of the Cowboys 105 through the fans. So we will spread in our fair share of football, even an interesting MLB conversation in the next hour. But We got the breaking news earlier this evening that uh, Mark Cuban will be selling his majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks to a bit of a Vegas casino tycoon, Miriam Adelson, the widow of Sheldon Adelson, excuse me. Uh, Some big names out there in Las Vegas for a long time. They helped create uh, the Venetian out there in Vegas. They also have current ties with the Las Vegas Sands, all kinds of ties there in Sin City and the gambling world that has amassed a net worth of $32 billion of them things. Somewhere I saw it was 36. So, I, I mean, in that same general area. Yeah. is It's I a mean, lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's multiple times what Mark Cuban has. Uh, so there was conversations after some stock was sold of the Las Vegas Sands that they wanted to use that equity that they were getting back uh, did the Adelson family to invest in a sports team. And Reggie was saying before the show, it's kind of like, oh, cool. They want to get involved. Another, you know, rich family wants to jump into the sports world. Okay, we'll see what happens. And then it happens to be the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, credit to Mark Stein, um, who first reported it. And he tweeted uh, the following about an hour ago. Um, He tweeted, the Adelson family is in the process of buying a significant stake in the Dallas Mavericks. 
League sources say Mark Cuban would continue to retain operational control of the team. I know Sham Sharania did some additional reporting after that, but it's a really interesting um, circumstance and setup, as we obviously talked about um, on the G-Bag Nation since this news broke about an hour ago. Um, Because generally, if you buy a, you know, commanding stake in a team, you then will very soon thereafter take over ownership control, right? And then at that point, you you know, you make all those decisions when it comes to, you know, the way that this thing goes. I think, I and I understand what the boys on the G-Bag Nation were talking about in the idea that maybe this is going to be some transitional period, but I think a transitional period is to be understood when there is a changeover of major organizations like this. The fact that it was noted feels like it's more than that. And that's kind of one of the things that made me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah. Um, because if Mark Cuban remains as kind of what a managing partner, because he is going to re- main, maintain some of the shares in this. He's not selling all of his ownership stake. He's just selling a, a majority ownership stake. So now the Allison family is the majority owner. But we've seen this in sports before where the managing partner, the person who makes the decisions, isn't in fact the person that owns the largest percent of the team per se we i mean one of the biggest and uh, most notable ones of those is the uh the raiders of a certain period where al davis yeah definitely ain't had the money mm-hmm. to be the person out here making things happen but his conniving uh keister found a way to make himself the managing partner and then he got to call all the shots there right not exactly what's happening here but we have seen in sports instances where the person with uh the, that does not have the most money involved in this is not as the person making these decisions i i mean there is questions to ask as to how long uh, Mark Cuban remains the you know the managing partner, but then also it, it raises questions for me. What is what's in it for the Adelson family here? And obviously, there's something to be said for sports is one of those places where the values continue to rise, and maybe we can start questioning with you know TV and the way that you know TV is moving and streaming if that money continues to rise. But as of right now, the current understanding that we have and we can forecast with is these properties, these values continue to rise and rise, and so it's a great place. To make money, we've seen even NBA teams allow themselves to be, you know, spot into by kind of these funds and such, and such, um, which is how you're starting to get Saudi money in the league yeah. as well. And so, like these things are now kind of investment stakes. And I wonder if having this, you know, large amount of shares in this is a way for the Adelson family to diversify some of this, uh, some of this growth. And like, hey, we can put put our money in this. And allow Mark Cuban to still do the things that he does when it comes to running this. That's one of the ways I think that this could be viewed, but not nearly the only way, as there's a lot of different possibilities that spark off of this. There are, and I think I like your train of thought the most, where we could look at this thing, you know, two, three years from now, and it could be just that, an investment opportunity for an already really rich group of people that just want to expand on that and just diversify in terms of their income, in terms of that portfolio, because you see it with Cuban right now. He bought this team for just over $200 million you know, a couple decades ago, and now he's selling that majority stake, not even all of it, for over $3 billion. So, And remember, he's already sold out of it. I believe in 05 he sold portions of it because he had at one point owned 100% of the team. Yeah, so I, I think this was just a perfect opportunity at its core, at the surface level, to just say, this is a great investment opportunity where you can buy low and, if you want to, eventually sell high. It could end up being just that. 
but obviously there will be some pretty great conspiracy theories going down over the next few days. And, and let's talk about them, baby. Yeah, so let's please talk about it. If you've got any wild ideas or any sensical ideas that you think could go down in the next few months, years, what have you, let us know on the truckwreck.com text on 877-881-1053. But for now, I think I just want to take as level-headed of an approach as I can and just say, look, these are very rich people that say, hey, if we get together and unite our funds and our knowledge, we can teach each other both some things about different things and make each other richer and smarter. Sure, but I don't know that that's necessary for like us to be buying into a team in order to you know have those exchanges of ideas. Like uh, those things can happen, uh, you know, exclusive of this deal. I think that you make this deal not just because hey, I would like to learn something from you. I think those yeah. are things that can be done outside. You make this deal because you know there's some level of money in it for you. Um, there's a few things I want to get to because we are talking about the money of it all. And so with that being the case, um, why not go to like CNBC, right, in one of these instances and kind of see what some of those reactions were. So if you could cut 15, Joe Pompliano apparently was talking about the idea of this sale recently on CNBC. Yeah, things are changing by the minute. But when this news came out from the regulatory filing, uh, you know, they didn't say a team, a league, a city or anything. So I'm going down the list in Las Vegas and I'm like, the Raiders don't really make sense. The Aces don't make sense. The A's don't make sense. The NBA team really doesn't even make sense from an expansion standpoint. So it's not necessarily surprising to see it somewhere else. Uh, the Mark Cuban aspect of this, I think, is really interesting because some more details are going to come out over the coming months, but this could end up being a really good deal for both sides. For Mark Cuban, he bought this team for $285 million in, in the year 2000. Obviously, they're selling at a $3.5 billion valuation now, so he's going to get a huge chunk of change put in his pocket. But as you mentioned before, he's also retaining control of the team, which is kind of unprecedented when it comes to sports sales. And then if you look at the flip side of this, the Adelson family, they're getting a discount, right? The Phoenix Suns just sold for $4 billion. The valuation on the Mavericks, uh, most people would have believed would have been higher. Obviously, part of that probably has to do with the fact that Mark Cuban is going to main control of the team. They also have five children in their family, two that are in their 20s. And I think this could be an asset that they're looking to hold on to for a long time here. There you go. Right. So there, there's the idea of uh, from Joe Pompliano, CNBC, that kind of fits into some of what I was talking about and the idea that this might just kind of be a a opportunity to grow the money in one of the bigger, you know, growth potential things in, you know, in business right now, which is actually sports. Um, can we talk about the idea that, and you know, the anxieties that have popped up in some ways, because obviously the money of this does not affect any of the people at the ground level, right? Yeah. Any of the fans who were, it was who we're speaking to in large part. I understand the business of this can be fascinating to some of us, but largely people are here for the team and what that means for, for them as fans. And one of the things that immediately popped up as an anxiety is, oh man, Las Vegas does not have a basketball team. Now this is a ownership group that, you know, hails from Las Vegas. Could they possibly be moving? That? No, 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 no. I think that that is absolutely nonsensical, right? Yeah. I don't know that anybody in the league, league offices or anything would approve that move because one thing you have to remember is as much as these teams are competing against each other, also in cahoots with each other, right? Like this is a cartel in a way, right? They are selling basketball. And part of being able to sell basketball is you need competition and you need, you know, everybody's bringing money in together. These, you know, TV deals are collectively, you know, bargained together and all these types of things. And so you would not for any any circumstances move a successful and what I'm talking like a financially successful team out of one of the major markets in this country just to do it. Right. If for any other like if any reason you would start a, you know, expansion team in Vegas. Or, and this is the thing that's interesting about the NBA, there's a lot of teams in the NBA that have questionable geography. And I say that, like, 
places where there's not a lot of people necessarily and, you know, the money bases of those people maybe aren't spending in that same way, right? I can point to New Orleans, right? I, New Orleans is like this cultural hub of America. Go look at the actual, like, population of New Orleans. It is not as big as you would like to think, right? Um, and it's not something that you look at and you go, oh, man, this is something that absolutely supports major, you know, industry. 376,000 people, 370 or three, let's even round up 400,000 people in that city. We could talk about Oklahoma City, which is one of those places that does not, you know, is the NBA is at, right? Orlando is one of those places where the NBA is at. Like there's places ge- geographically that you could go, yeah, I would rather not be. San Antonio is also another one of those. No shade, no shade to San Antonio, right? Like there, there is some geography there you go. If you were going to move a team, Dallas is one of the very last ones that you would move. So I, I don't think that that is something that you have any level of any level of worry about that move happening yeah they wouldn't they would just outright expand to vegas before they would even consider that because you already have something built here you know the mavs are still doing good business even when they're not playing well you know they're still selling out arenas they're still pushing merch they're still getting good money from tv deals and you hope that's going to continue after the whole bally sports thing comes to a resolution there's no reason to just get up and leave if you're the Dallas Mavericks, like you said, just for the sake of doing it. Uh, there's plenty of other teams that would be better candidates for it, or you just outright expand and try to make more money by adding a totally new team. So I don't think that's really in the cards. I see where it makes sense uh, on paper, but that's not something I would look toward really at all, a- anytime in the near future, in the in the distant future at all. But one thing that keeps recurring on the text line and really all over social media is this has to be a play to get casinos and sports betting inside of the state of Texas, to which I say I know there is a lot of legislation that has to go in their favor and has to be changed to make that work, but there can't be any kind of momentum with no pressure. So I could totally see it being... You know, it's not at the forefront of this. I don't think that's the main reason, but I could totally see it being a long-term play of, hey, look, we've got the people that have the brains, we've got the money flowing in, and it would be a great kind of marketing campaign to the government locally to say, you know, it's making a lot of money and we can make it a lot more. Um, one thing about that, and I look, I understand where that's coming from, and I'm not like outright dismissing that, but I do think that we can get a little myopic sometimes. We can get these horse blinders on in a way. All right. When it comes to like the gambling, it's not like nobody's been trying to make that happen already, right? Like there's all there's a lot of forces that are operating in trying to lobby for and against gambling in Texas. Like this would be another one, um, possibly if that is the way that they are going about it. Um, I don't think that it's absolutely necessary to buy in into this team in order to make that happen. But now you have investment, and maybe they decide that that's something that they want to throw their weight behind. But I don't think that that would be like a oh wow now all of a sudden everything is different. Right. I think that there's been a lot of interests that are moving or that are trying to push within um, this that that landscape. But regardless, um, one of the things that I was thinking about when I saw this sale is like um, the idea of Mark Cuban retaining, um, you know, governorship, I guess, when it comes to NBA parlance over this team is an interesting one. Um, Do you think that this is going to be a short term like governorship where ultimately 
the Adelsons will, you know, put in place somebody that they feel more comfortable in that place? Because, I mean, once you have ownership, you kind of, in theory, would want some of that decision-making power. Or do you think that this is simply, a, you know, on its face what it is, where they're just putting money into this thing, now they have an ownership stake, but they feel comfortable with Mark Cuban running this? Knowing Cuban, I feel like this could totally just be a partnership and pure business to the point where we don't really see him leave until he decides it's necessary. Uh, but we've seen it happen pretty much every other time you've seen a changing of the guard with ownership in pro sports. And I can guarantee that you're about to see it with the Washington Commanders. You know, Josh Harris and his company come in, they take over ownership, and I'd be willing to bet that we're going to have the Black Monday in the NFL where we're going to see Riverboat Ron, he's going to get the boot, and they're just going to come in with everybody that they think is right for the job. You're seeing it with David Tepper and his short fuse mm-hmm. in Carolina with the Panthers. You know, it, it was as soon as he got there, my guys are going to come in and if they don't do the job, I've got a list of other guys right behind them that can make it work. I don't know if it's going to be as immediate and as short fused as a David Tepper or a possible Josh Harris scenario with those two respective teams. But I think that it, you could see a level of unrest pop up if there are some difficulties in keeping the team competitive and relevant. I could see that happening down the line. I don't think it's anywhere near the immediate future just because it's Mark Cuban. I feel like he has too much to offer them in both the basketball and business aspects of this for them to say, hey, two years, you've got a chance to do something with this team or we're going to come in with our own guys. I don't think it's going to work down that way. I think Cuban will ultimately get up and leave before they say get out. There's a lot there's a lot more things to consider like what this could mean on a team and player and free agency, you know, level yeah. like what are all those possible imp- implications? We know that this organization under Mark Cuban has had some embarrassing moments to say it as lightly as I possibly can. Right. What what could that possibly mean? Uh, I imagine, you know, what? would you like to come back to this at some point during the program? Yeah, because obviously the breaking news of the day is that Mark Cuban is, in fact, selling a majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks to the Adelson family of Las Vegas um, for, I believe, upwards of three point five billion dollars. He will remain in uh, an ownership role. He'll have some ownership stakes and he will still have a controlling like he will still control, uh, I guess, day to day operations of the team is the way to say it. Right. Yeah. Yep. He will still be heading up the basketball operations. Uh, So he's still around and he's still, you know, pushing buttons and moving levers, but he is not the uh, main person in charge of the team itself in terms of business stake. It's crazy. Did not expect it to happen at all. Did not expect it to happen today. (laughs) <laughs> of all days. So we are just getting started here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Full show with you until 11 o'clock today. And trust us, we will get back to this a couple of times because there are a lot of stones left unturned in terms of conversations and ripple effects that this could have on the team, on the fans, and on the league. So we will get uh, more on this as we work throughout the show today. But we do have a pretty big football game coming up on Thursday that you can hear here on these airwaves. Yeah, it's it's an NFC matchup that has playoff implications, the Cowboys and the Seahawks. So let's preview it with longtime beat writer for the Seattle Seahawks of the Seattle Times. It's Bob Condotta. We'll talk to him next here on the Get Right.
This segment of the Get Red is brought to you by Frankel and Frankel. Life is unpredictable and accidents happen. Frankel and Frankel are the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in the DFW. And if your loved one have been injured in an accident, contact Frankel and Frankel for a free consultation at truckwreck.com or call 214 or 817-333-3333. Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan, Alec Medford and Reginald Atatua with you until 11 o'clock today in case you missed the big breaking news earlier in the evening. Mark Cuban has sold his majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks to the Adelson family for th- uh, the in the neighborhood is what we have gotten of $3.5 billion. Mm, billion dollars. Billion dollars. And uh, he will retain full control of basketball operations. So uh, he's still around and he's still going to be making moves and making decisions, but uh, he is no longer the majority owner of this team. Yeah, it'll be, I don't know if funny is the right word, but it'll be kind of interesting if ultimately all that changes is that different money came in. Yeah. Right? Ultimately, everything kind of still operates similarly. Um, now, what could be interesting is, uh, at the very least, if that happens, the, the checkbook behind all of this is different. And so, I, and we'll talk about it more, maybe at 9. How about that? We'll talk. bring it back yeah. around at 9 o'clock. Um, maybe the idea of, uh, could this change the Mavs' lot in life? in the NBA, understanding that, you know, there's some things that have shifted around in the NBA salary cap and stuff and the way that they spend money. But um, there had been concerns about whether Cuban was willing to sit in that luxury tax area, whether he was willing to sign out and dole out the amount of money necessary to compete on a certain level. Maybe the Adelson family with a bigger, you know, pocketbook um, are willing to put you in the likes of, and of course, not exactly, but like some of those teams, like the Clippers with Steve Ballmer and the Warriors with uh, Joe Lacob, where maybe you're spending a little bit of different. We'll see. We will get back into that at about 9 o'clock or so, so stick with us, turn it on, and leave it on. But right now we go out to the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline where we are joined by longtime Seattle Seahawks beat writer Bob Condotta. Bob, appreciate you taking some time to join us here. Sure, yeah. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. And uh, this Seahawks team is a fun watch because, you know, not too many household names outside – of, you know, three or four guys, but they always play really aggressive football. But one thing that has stood out is here lately, uh, they've been real beat up. So uh, can you give us some insight on how the team has been handling some of this adversity? The injury report today after practice not looking too great for guys like Kenneth Walker and company, and this team still finding ways to try to stay competitive. Yeah, I was going to say, your, your, your definition of them is a fun watch. I'm not sure people in Seattle would agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but. Um, yeah, uh, they, they've had some issues. I, I uh, because it's the the Thursday game, you know, they can still be kind of vague on this until tomorrow. Uh, usually, usually teams, you know, have to do this stuff on Friday for Sunday, so you sort of have about a, uh, 48 hours, or you kind of know what what the team's going to declare, guys. But they don't have to do that till tomorrow since it's a Thursday game. So, um, yeah, Walker has not practiced since he got hurt against the Rams. He got hurt on the first series of the Rams game and hasn't played or practiced since then. Um, that would lead, lead me to believe it's probably a long shot that he's going to play. And if he does play, you know, he won't have practiced in two weeks. So who knows how effective he'd be able to be. Um, they're not super beat up otherwise. Uh, you know, the other big question mark is just a couple of guys on their offensive line. Um, they're, they're hoping to get Abe Lucas, who was their starting right tackle for all but one game last year, but it's only played one half of one game this year. They're hoping to get him back. Um, but again, I don't know how super effective he'd be because he's kind of just come back to practice in the last couple of weeks and, um, hasn't, you know, it's been kind of a funky thing with them having the Thursday game last week and then another Thursday one. 
this week. So they, they haven't really necessarily had whole practice weeks here. But And then Phil Haynes, uh, their starting right guard, has is, is also been out. Um, you know, they got a couple other guys who've just kind of been, you know, they've been given some rest time too, like Jamal Adams. But I'm pretty sure Jamal Adams will play. He's from, uh, you know, the, the Dallas area and um, never played uh, never played at Jerry World before. I'm sure that's something he wants to do. So I would anticipate that, he, that he'll uh, do whatever it takes to play. And, um, you know, Geno Smith is, uh, by all accounts, a lot healthier this week. Uh, you know, uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett weren't on the t- uh, injury report this week for the first time in a while, actually. Both those guys have been laboring with some stuff. So, um, you know, other than Walker, I think they should be. I, I think they should be fairly healthy, healthy with what are their main guys. Now, Bob, around these parts, I've been kind of labeled the Geno Smith guy because when they decided to start him, I saw the vision. I knew that he had kind of been undervalued since his time starting way back when with the with the uh, with the Jets. Uh, what kind of you know questions do does this offense pose under Shane Waldron with the guys that you mentioned, Geno Smith? When you talk about passing wise with the DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, like where do they like to attack, and what's like the um, what's like the strength of this passing offense? Uh, those are all great questions, and I'm not sure the Seahawks have really answered this year. <laughs> um, you know, it's been a lot more of a struggle this year than it was last year for, for Geno and the and this offense. He threw 30 touchdowns last year in 17 games, and he's got 12 and in 11 games this year. Uh, you know, all his numbers are down a little bit. And, you know, they haven't scored a touchdown in 20 straight offensive possessions here. So um, they're not coming to Dallas at all on, on, any, on anything of a real offensive hot streak. But the guys you mentioned are, you know, that's, that's the, the guys that they have that they like to try to get the ball to are, are DK and Tyler and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And uh, Tyler Lockett's really been dealing with a lot of kind of injuries this year. So his numbers are down a little bit. Um, but some of that, too, is they've been, they've been trying to get the ball a little bit more to Smith and Jigba, especially after his um, first month of the, the year. It took him a little while to sort of shake off an injury and, and get fully into, into things. But he's been playing a lot the last few weeks. So, um, you know, that's, so they, they kind of have those three guys that they, that they like a lot. And um, one, of the, you know, one of the problems they've had is their pass protection hasn't been great. And trying to get the ball deep to those guys has been an issue. That was one of their things. You know, they went into the 49er game. They wanted to throw it deep against them a little bit. They take some shots anyway. They felt like they had some favorable matchups with their receivers against the San Francisco corners. Um, you know, I think they felt like of all the, you know, San Francisco was obviously got a really good defense, but they felt like if there was anything they, where they might have something of an advantage, they thought it was that. But they never really were able to get to that because they couldn't block well enough to allow um, those guys to get open 20 yards downfield and all that. You know, by the time that happened, Gino was getting sacked. So, um, he got sacked six times in that game. So that's sort of been the story of their season. They've had a couple of games here and there where they've looked, you know, sort of like last last year, um, you know, part of the Washington game, um, the Detroit game for sure in week two, uh, a little, you know, some some spurts here and there against like Cleveland, who's obviously got a pretty good defense and they moved it uh, pretty well in, in a couple of times in that game. But it's not been as consistent uh, running uh, offensive machine at all as it was last year. Talking to Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times here on 105.3 The Fan, getting you ready for Cowboys and Seahawks on Thursday night. And I want to flip sides of the ball for just a moment uh, to the defense and specifically the pair of corners that the Seahawks have, the young corners, Devon Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen, a local guy to the Metroplex here. Those guys have just been fantastic and incredibly fun to watch. And what can you say about the limited body of work that they have been able to show uh, here for these two guys, and how do you think they're going to match up against guys like C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks? 
Yeah, well, uh, uh, Woolen, uh, you know, another one, just going to keep talking about injuries, but he's been dealing with some stuff, and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't really uh, put up the kind of numbers and everything that he did last year. He, You know, he only played a couple of series against San Francisco. He he was dealing with a shoulder injury, and they pulled him out of the game in the first quarter, um, and they went with a guy named Michael Jackson the rest of the game. But Woolen is um, – uh, Pete Carroll said today he's healthy and that they expect him to start. So uh, I'm sure he, yeah, as you mentioned, he's from that area as well. They got about five or six key guys that are all kind of from that area. Um, and so I'm sure he's excited to want to go back there and play. Um, you know, Witherspoon has been the, you know, the one real big kind of, not a surprise at all because he was the fifth overall pick. So they were hoping for a lot from him, but he has lived up to the billing and, and uh, they kind of use him in a lot of different ways. He's uh, when they're in their base defense, he starts at the, uh, at the at the left cornerback spot, but he plays most of his time at the nickel because they spend most of their time in the nickel. And when they go nickel, they move him inside to there, and they bring in a guy named Trey Brown um, to to play the the boundary corner. So probably about seventy percent of Witherspoon snaps are are playing inside, and and they like him doing that um, because it, it puts him in position to rush the passer. You know, he's got about three sacks this year, um, but they also feel like just being in the middle of the field allows him. Um, puts him in position to make a lot more plays on the ball, and he's a really good run tackler. They like that. You know, their run defense was was really bad last year, and some of that they felt like was, you know, guys um, when they got past the line, you know, the guys in the secondary were struggling to get him down at times last year. Witherspoon's really helped with that. Um, so you'll see him in, in a few different spots um, on on Thursday night, and uh, you know they don't do a whole lot of trying to match up guys with specific receivers, so. I don't know that you'll see him you know, follow anybody specifically, but you will kind of see him, you know, again, I, I, you know, a lot of their games, they've played maybe, you know, 80% of the snaps maybe uh, in nickel. And so you'll see Witherspoon, you know, a lot kind of in the middle of the field. Now, Bob, one of the things you were mentioning is just kind of the ways that, you know, maybe Seahawks fans have not been the happiest with the way that this team has fared thus far. And it seems like that's kind of a, a constant uh, feeling when it comes to Seahawks fans. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the unique uh, feeling this year? Like, what, what is it in particular when it comes to this management with Pete Carroll and the way that it's going this year that's kind of irked uh, Seahawks fans? Well, I mean, the thing is, it's, you know, they got off to a good start. I mean, other than the, you know, I mean, the Rams game was a complete disaster in week one, but they then won five of their next six. You know, they won at Detroit. Uh, the one loss in there was, was at Cincinnati, which was a game that they basically just blew two, two, uh, two possessions inside the 10-yard line right at the end of the game, either one of which could have won that game. Um, but, you know, they felt like they played, you know, people were pretty happy with sort of how they played uh, defensively in that game and all that. So, they, for about a month and a half, they were looking really good, and people were excited about that. And, and with that, coupled with how they had played last year, uh, you know, last year everybody kind of wrote them off after the Russell trade, and then they they end up, you know, making the playoffs, and and they, so they they were able to, you know, essentially bring back almost all the key guys they really wanted from that team, and then add to it with the with with uh, you know another what appears to be a pretty strong um, rookie class, but especially adding Witherspoon and a couple other things that they did. So. Uh, expectations were pretty high, and, and when they were five and two, um, you know, people felt like they were uh, they were on the way to way to matching them. I think most people thought they had at that point maybe had a chance to win ten or eleven games. You know, they were leading the division there for 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 one glorious week, I think, when the 49ers went on their three game losing streak there. So, uh, but the last month has been has been really rough. They went to Baltimore, just got completely tattooed, um, came back and sort of needed needed. Needed to work a lot harder than everybody thought they should have had to to beat Washington, and then um, you know uh, kind of just blew a game against the Rams in which they took a 13 nothing early lead, and then 
um, just did nothing offensively the rest of the game and lost at 17-16 and then got, got really just blown out by San Francisco Thursday. So, um, you know, there's a lot – suddenly there's a lot more trepidation about wh- where things are going. And, you know, part of the issue is they got to go to Dallas now, then they got to go back to San Francisco next week, and then they got to play Philadelphia. They'll probably be, uh, you know, a seven- to nine-point underdog in all of those games. So unless they pull an upset – you know, everybody's kind of looking at, man, this could be a five-game losing streak that just takes them out of everything. So, um, you know, suddenly it's it's definitely kind of high-anxiety time when it comes to the Seahawks right now. You can find him on Twitter at Condada. He does great work for the Seattle Times covering the Seattle Seahawks, getting us ready for the matchup on Thursday night. Bob, we appreciate the time and uh, enjoy the game on Thursday. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, you guys. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. There he goes, Bob Condotta, the great Bob Condotta over there in Seattle doing great work covering the Seahawks. And speaking of the NFL, how about we take a trip around the NFL? We get you an injury update about a big star in Indianapolis and the latest on Shaq Leonard. That and more coming up next right here on the Get Right on 105 Through the Fan. This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Classic Chevrolet. Just announced Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine's one-time Equinox offload. A limited supply of excess Equinox models will be sold direct to the public below market value. See them all at ClassicChevrolet.com. Don't wait. The best sell fast. Classic Chevrolet. Find new roads. Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. About to take a trip around the NFL here in just a moment. But we do have some uh, live sports going on uh, that have to do with the Metroplex down the street at the AAAC. The Mavs and Rockets are officially underway. Uh, early on in the first quarter, it's 5-3 to three in favor of the Rockets. And for the Dallas Stars, also in action on the road against the Winnipeg Jets, it is scoreless early on in the first period. We will keep you updated on all of those matchups as the night goes on. But let's go ahead and take a trip around the NFL where we do have a few different things to get to. And let's go ahead and start with it because it's been a talking point for better part of four or five days now, and we kind of got something. Is he signed yet? Not much. Is he but signed something, yet? No. Is he signed yet? To make a long answer short, no. Oh. Jack Leonard has not signed with the Dallas Cowboys. He did have his visit to the star in Frisco and even had lunch with Jerry Jones and got the whole shebang. Why'd and- they let him leave? Uh, because he wanted options, okay. you know, which is smart. He's a businessman. They should have locked him in a room. You remember that one time in the, in the NBA yeah. where yeah. they uh, they had what was that? Blake Griffin locked yeah. in a, locked in a room. It happens. Uh, it, it or was that no? That was DeAndre Jordan. It was DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, That's right. And you know, those things happen, but not Paul with Pierce Jerry didn't Jones. know how to use emojis. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Uh, Jerry Jones doesn't know how to use a padlock, I guess. So, Mm, um, mm. yeah, we just had lunch and a couple of physicals and whatnot and nothing there. He's going to visit the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow after uh, Diana Russini reported earlier today on Twitter that things with Dallas went, quote, well, even though he left without a deal. He just wants to visit with Philadelphia and perhaps even more teams after that later on in the week. And she was told that he will make his decision over the weekend. Yeah, that was nice. I was like, all right, my man. Um, obviously, you want to make your decisions, but there's only so much season left. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 
make that decision relatively quick. So it's nice to know that it will happen by the weekend. Um, yeah, no, this is this is kind of how I thought it would go. I know that there was a lot of conversation about don't let him leave, but it did seem like this is a dude who I don't think the money is going to be wildly different in different places. And so I think ultimately he wants to see all the various places and see how the fit works. But it is good to hear that, you know, the the uh, meeting went well, right? It went well with the Cowboys because that means you're in the game. And at the very least, uh, that's all you can ask at this point. Yep, nothing but good things coming out of the store today. So uh, you can be hopeful that maybe this weekend you get some good news that you're going to get some help at a thin linebacker position. You've got some good talent there already, but not much else behind it. So it would be nice to get some help there. And you know who needs help in more ways than one, but we're going to talk about a specific way here for the Indianapolis Colts. I knew you were going to say Jim Mercer, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. because Jim Mercer confirmed uh, today to reporters that Jonathan Taylor has suffered an injury to his thumb after a 91-yard two-touchdown performance and a win over the Buccaneers and will have surgery on it tomorrow, and he is set to miss a couple of weeks. There is no decision on injured reserve yet, per Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. It is possible, however, and will be decided later on in the week. So after a nice game from Jonathan Taylor and, you know, months ago all the turmoil of if he was even going to play for the team ever again, starting to see some good things from him in that offense that we don't really know what to think of at all. And now he's going to miss a few weeks, possibly even land on injured reserve. Yeah, man, this is one of those things that reminds me, and I, I never pretend to be any le- any level of tough guy, but I am just not, not the same level of toughness as these dudes to play, the NFL, play in the NFL. You coming back from uh, any surgery, any particular surgery, in two weeks, and then going back to the car crash sport? Yeah. That's incredible. Especially incredible at that position. Me. At the running back position that already takes so much beating? That's right. That's incredible. Which, I mean, again, points back to the fact that, look, they're not they're not going absolutely 100% broke at that position. However, like, woo, compared to the rest of the market there, and seeing this always reminds you, tough life being a running back, at least when it comes to NFL lives, tough life. It is a tough life, and we talked with Bob Condotta on the uh, previous segment getting ready for the Seattle Seahawks and Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium on Thursday. You can hear that broadcast right here on your home of the Cowboys, 105.3 The Fan. But something interesting I caught wind of yesterday was the betting line for that game moved by two and a half points in favor of the Cowboys yesterday, late last night. So my guess is that you're not going to see a Kenneth Walker play as he has been banged up and didn't practice. Mm -hmm. And... Pete Carroll has a very big tendency of guys who don't practice throughout the week. He's just not going to play them. That's right. Period. So I would not expect Kenneth Walker to play if you have any kind of fantasy implications. Don't think he's going to go. He's been really good for him this year. And that's bad for me because I kind of need him. But uh, reminder, nobody cares about your fantasy that's right. team. But that could be good for the Dallas Cowboys as the run defense has been something we've kind of pointed to throughout the weeks this year. Yeah, bottom um, third. Yeah. Did they ever really fix it? They tried. You know, they've shown flashes, but did they ever really fix it? That could be a nice break for the Cowboys as, guess what? They're playing a winning team this week. In I, theory. I yeah, mean, we, we, talk, we talked to Bob Condotta, and yeah, as you mentioned, and one of the things he talked about is kind of the ways that they've had a tough go of it of late. They have these particular injuries in certain areas. And then it's just, it's it's the Cowboys have been really good for a lot, a lot of this season, particularly over the last, what, six weeks with Dak Prescott playing out of his mind, um, that's that's going to make a tougher proposition for the Seattle Seahawks, especially as your quarterback 
is dealing with, you know, some knocks that he's trying to get, you know, that he's getting over that he played through last week, but, you know, working through. You have a cornerback coming back off of injury, offensive line that you're trying to kind of get back together with the likes of Tank Lawrence, Michael Parsons, uh, you know, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams, all uh, barreling towards Geno Smith. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a tough proposition for them. Obviously, having Kenneth Walker would have made that just a smidgen easier, and I guess in theory he could still be there. But, yeah, uh, tough go. Tough, tough go of it for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. If you're kind of counting the different chickens of the playoff possibilities, we do have our first playoff berth clinching scenario of the NFL season. The Philadelphia Eagles are playing the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday at 325 locally on Fox. Philadelphia clinches a playoff berth with the simplest way being a win plus a Rams loss or tie. That is their simplest path to clinching the first playoff berth of the NFL season this weekend. Uh, the other routes are very complicated, needing different teams to win and different teams to lose. Like the second easiest would be the Eagles winning, Detroit losing, and a Green Bay loss or tie. And then it just gets weirder and uglier from there. So there's a few different ways that they could clinch a playoff berth. The simplest being they need to win and the Rams need to lose or tie. In week 12. In week 12. Yeah, it would make them 11 and one if that were to be a true real life scenario. Which oh, sorry, is, that'd be week 13. Am I? I'm 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 doing the thing where I'm behind. Um, but yes, yes. still um, six, eight, two. Please tell me what you mean when you say make all the excuses. And I don't know exactly what you're talking about in that situation. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody wanted to watch that particular game with that additional uh, thought in mind. Like, already, I know a lot of people are in a place where they're like, San Francisco, uh, you gonna, if you're going to be bullies to the Cowboys, at least do them a solid by beating the, beating the Eagles and bringing that, uh, that possibility of winning the NFC East back into picture uh, for the Cowboys. But now, now it's not only, you know, if the if the Eagles lose, then that happens and the other side of the coin has become a little bit weightier because now you've put you've reminded everybody that the idea is that they will, you know, clinch a playoff berth with this win. So yeah, way to add more animosity to that that game watching experience for Cowboys fans. It is mathematical facts. I'm sorry. I'm just here to report what is in front of my face and another uh, piece of information that might be good for some of you people out there, especially Josh Dobbs, if he ever starts at quarterback again for the Vikings. Uh, they are activating wide receiver Justin Jefferson from hey. injured reserve, and he will play after the bye week. So uh, Jefferson, he obviously we know who he is, and that is a very interesting team, to put it simply, with the Minnesota Vikings after yesterday's barn burner. On Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears. It. Yeah. Hey, Josh Dobbs did have the only touchdown of the game. So, I mean, hey, he'll at least have someone uh, better to throw to now in Justin Jefferson as he is returning from his injury after uh, well over a month on injured reserve. Yeah, I think the idea, you know, he was gearing up to see if he could play in that game yesterday. And one of the things that was said, I remember, was that he's like 96.5% ready, but they're not. he's not going to go until he's 100% ready. And I imagine this bye week that they have, that they're looking at here, gives them a little bit more confidence that he'll feel ready to go on the other end of it. And you know what? I can't be mad at him either. Like, uh, I don't know if I'm hurrying back for this particular Vikings team. And I'm not sure, like, what the aspirations of it are, but I can't imagine it's anything uh, major. Um, and so with that being the case, like, look, man, come back when you're ready. Not necessarily uh, hurry back. I know that they're currently sitting in that seven seed, so, like, they're on the bubble, but... 
I don't know that you want to chance anything for that particular, especially being that guy, knowing like, you know, the height of your career and what, you know, all the things that you can ultimately or that we believe he can he can accomplish. Uh, this particular season feels like it's not one that you have to go wildly all out for. Yeah, and this is a guy that had contract negotiations during the offseason that didn't exactly go anywhere either. Great point. So if I'm him, I'm highly considering that as something important to think about, you know, at minimum. But we'll see. He should play, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. And uh, one more thing here. I want to play a game of Spot the Lie. Oh, okay. May. I like this. Let's go. This is uh, Panthers owner David Tepper <laughs> speaking to reporters after the firing of Frank Reich. Says, quote, my reputation away from this game is one of extreme patience, but the product on the field isn't good enough right now. End quote. Okay, I thought, look, I've seen a lot of quotes from his availability, and I was like, there's a lot of things that where we can spot the lie. Yeah, the one of extreme patience. Um, maybe your reputation. Well, he did say away from football, right? Yes. Um, maybe, maybe I, I don't. I haven't heard those things, right? Like the <laughs> ideas uh, that we've heard, kind of filtering out of uh, the business landscape, is that hey, man, he, you know, he wants to get these things done, and you know what? Those things aren't necessarily entirely mutually exclusive, but um, at the very least, from what we've seen, yeah, that would not be how anybody classifies the way that he's gone about it. Another thing he did say, though, was he was asked about Bryce Young and that pick because we had heard frustrations about his development coming from the top down and whatnot. Is it actually because of the quarterback himself? Apparently not. Tepper saying, quote, we are totally confident in that pick. So Bryce Young, I don't think we as a collective group assumed he was the issue at any point in this. But, you know, the question was arising of did Tepper even really, you know, want that or was that a GM thing? Well, I mean, look, through? the number one overall pick, there's going to have to be uh, ownership sign off on that. So, like, you you can't really distance yourself as the team owner. You you had to have agreed to that. The thing that I found hilarious is that he got up on that uh, that podium today and started talking about um, we had had considerations, uh, you know, on trading, you know, ending up in that trade and then maybe um, picking second and then taking C.J. Stroud, he was like, they were good with both of those, but they preferred Bryce Young. And I'm like, why are you telling us all of this? Because you had the number one overall pick, right? So it's like, if you wanted to take C.J. Stroud, you know what you could have done? Taking C.J. Stroud. Like, don't yeah. do this thing. Don't do this thing. It makes you look worse. Uh, as far as the Bryce Young thing, look, there he has not been put in a, uh, a position to succeed. But one of the tough things about it with Bryce Young is, like, usually you could look at a you know if there's been some level of flash that you can kind of you know hold your or put your hat on and like this is the thing that we hope we can see more of and become more consistent haven't seen that and that's the thing that's a little concerning and you've seen a good game out of the Frank Reich offense hello Andy Dalton has looked uh, all right in yeah. doing this um he didn't look incredible but I mean still we're talking about Andy Dalton with that circumstance so that's one of the things that scares me a little bit, but I imagine as the organization, you gotta keep, you gotta try, right? I don't know that you can abandon this less than a year in. You already did that with the head coach. I don't know that you can do that with the uh, with the quarterback, also because you don't have your first round pick. So it's not like you go and jump back into the pool and go, well, let's start again. You don't really have that available to you, so you're almost stuck in a place where you have to just try and believe in Bryce Young, if for no other reason, another year because you don't have any way to really replace him. That's a mess. It's an absolute mess out there in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I digress. That's your trip around the NFL. I'm sorry, I just dis despise that owner. Oh, wow. You're like, you have those high feelings about David Tepper. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, right now it goes Jim Ursay, and then David Tepper's not far behind because he just, like you said, you don't need to be saying these things. I kind of want to do a, like, Rank rank your rank the ones that you can't stand. Like I kind of want to do that at some point, right? Power ranking the worst owners in sports be, that you can't stand. That at the very fun. least in the NFL, because you mentioned two, yeah. and I was like, hey, I feel like we might be missing some. We might be forgetting some. Oh yeah, we definitely are. Old boy out there in Vegas. <laughs> there, what there, you just you just don't like his haircut? Yeah, that's part. That's probably fifty percent of it, if not more. It's probably being generous, but that's your trip around the NFL. Uh, we are at the first intermission in the Stars uh, game against the Jets. Scoreless. So we'll see if we can get uh, the action going. The Stars are shooting a lot at the goal, but nothing uh, coming from it yet. So hopefully that will change soon. And the Mavericks are up 10 currently to the Houston Rockets against the Houston Rockets, I should say, now up 12. Late in the first quarter, we will keep you updated uh, in both of those matchups here throughout the remainder of our show as those go final as well. But coming up next, we pose a question to the truckwreck.com text line 877-881-1053. Has the Cowboys' offense reached its final form? Got some interesting numbers that might suggest it has. Next on The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 